It's Vancouver's podcast on the Canada's Podcast Network. As an entrepreneur, you started your business to follow your passion and not to spend your evenings doing bookkeeping. That's why Vancouver's podcast uses Legacy Advantage. Let me tell you, they are a great CPA-level bookkeeping firm. Let Legacy take the bookkeeping task off your hands so you can have more time to pursue your dreams. You will get peace of mind knowing that the bookkeeping is done and the tax authorities are off your back. Visit LegacyAdvantage.ca and if you mention that you came from Vancouver's podcast, they will give you a $100 credit to apply towards your first month. You simply can't beat that. Hello, this is Robert Smile coming to you today with a VancouverEntrepreneur.ca where we talk to the entrepreneurs who are making it happen here in British Columbia. Izzy Egan is the founder of Blank Slate Partners. In 2015, Izzy started her company to allow SMBs and scale-ups access to enterprise-level management HR services, supporting growing companies with a unique blend of HR, training, recruitment, and immigration expertise. She has extensive experience building fast-paced, high-yield management teams paying particular attention to the strategic needs of the company. She's committed to bringing purpose-fueled employees into businesses that are aligned from both a values and strategic bottom-line perspective. Well, Izzy, welcome to the show. Thanks for taking the time today to be here for all our listeners. Thanks for having me. Great. Well, tell us a little bit more about yourself, where you're from, and give us the details on your current business. Ah, well, as you can probably hear from my accent, I am English um, by birth. I moved to Canada in 2004 um, and have been here ever since, became a Canadian resident somewhere along the way, um, and then became a Canadian citizen somewhere along the way. Um, So Canada is firmly home now. In fact, Vancouver is firmly home. Um, I started started Blank State Partners in 2015 um, because I decided a long time ago, that small companies, small to medium-sized businesses, scale-ups, should have access to enterprise-level support um, from an HR perspective. Just because they are a small company doesn't mean they don't have any different challenges from the ones that large companies have or any different successes from the ones that large companies have. Um, So the concept behind Blank State Partners was to provide an outsourced HR service that made um, HR strategic thought accessible to um, to companies that otherwise couldn't afford it. Um, we primarily focus within the tech space, um, and when I say tech, I mean anything you can add tech to the end of, so agrotech, biotech, pharmatech, edtech, SaaS. Um, and uh, we've, been, we've been slowly, slowly growing. Um, we started, as I mentioned, in 2015, and in 2018, we see ourselves with a, a team of eight, um, about 85 clients both in Vancouver, but also across the country in uh, Edmonton and Halifax and Toronto, and then down the coast in Seattle and San Francisco. So it's pretty exciting. 
Good. Okay. Back in 2015, did you need financing to start your company? And how do you currently make money in your business now? <laughs> That's a really good question. I wished we had financing. Um, so we are a, we're very fortunate in the sense that we are a um, service-based company. So we charge a flat hourly rate um, for the services that we deliver, which means our clients only pay for what they use. Um, so how we started was sweat equity. Um, we just started hustling and doing the work. And luckily, we had people that, in belief, that believed in us and clients that wanted to work with us. Um, we started with about three or four clients in May of 2015. And they told their friends, and their friends told their friends, and, and that's how we got to today. Um, I think we sort of got there scrappily. Okay. Now, what is the long-term vision, and what will your company look like in the future? Do you see the company expanding into other areas, and where, beyond Vancouver, BC, or even Canada? Yeah, um, that's a really good question. So, I think, yes to both. Um, Blank Slate Partners has the capacity to stand geographically, obviously, within the same vertical that we're currently in right now. In fact, we could do it today. Um, if we wanted to. We have uh, people in place in Seattle and also in Toronto that would love to step into our world. Um, and it's definitely a very real consideration um, for this year in the short term. Um, in the long term, I specifically picked the name Blank Slate Partners because I wanted it to be something that was not necessarily attached strategically purely to HR. Um, because I believe that the future of Blank State isn't just limited to providing enterprise-level support to small to medium-sized businesses for human resources, but also for other support functions that small companies don't necessarily have the access to. So whether that's uh, you know CFO for hires, CTO for hires, um, bookkeepers, payroll administration, whatever that might be, um, perhaps it's marketing, perhaps it's sales, who knows? Uh, perhaps it's uh, COOs for hires. There are multiple verticals that I think our business model can scale and replicate in. Okay, now we want to, we learned a little bit about you and Blank Slate, so we want to talk a bit about Vancouver now. What are the biggest benefits for you and being an entrepreneur here in Vancouver, BC? I want you to give us some of the good points about starting mm -hmm. a company here, but I also want you to give us some of the tough things or challenges for our listeners so they can keep an eye out for them. Yeah. So, so starting with the good points, um, for me personally, Vancouver has very much become it's become my home. It is it's a relatively small city, um, although it's a big city. Um, it's a very networked city. It's everybody knows each other. Um, for me, going into this business, Blank Slate started very easily because I had originally started my career way back when in Vancouver in the recruitment agency world. And when a number of my clients realised I was going out on my own into the world. Um, and opening a HR company, they they were happy to come along for the ride. Um, and I think part of that is because Vancouver is a small town or a small city that, that people get to know each other and they get to trust each other and they get to build relations upon it. Um, to build on that, our company grew primarily in the first year through referrals because people seem to trust each other within the startup ecosystem and the scale-up ecosystem. So, you know, what works for one, they're quite happy to share and and tell each other, you know, well, this is working for me and this isn't working for me and this has been great for me and this isn't great for me. Um, these companies really help me, so you should have a chat with them. And we find that happens an awful lot for us. Um, you know, well, 
we'll get a call on a Monday, which is, hi, you don't know us, but uh, so-and-so from such and such company actually just said that you can help us. And this is this is the question I have, and I need to do this, and I need to do it immediately. Like, can you help? I'm like, sure, of course we can. Um, so sort of from a business perspective, that, that definitely helped um, starting a business in Vancouver. From a personal perspective, Vancouver speaks to everything that I... I wanted to find in my life. It's a city that that gives me the space to be who I want to be and the hobbies I want to pursue. Um, and it's also a city that somewhat encourages, you know, others and, and each other to to live a, a full and complete life, both inside and outside of work. Um, and that's not to say that other cities don't. But you know, my experience coming from the UK and London is is you get to work at. 6.37 in the morning and you stay at work until 6.37 at night and then you go to the pub afterwards. Um, and which is a lot of fun, don't get me wrong. But for me, I, I love the idea that I can go to a yoga class at 3.30 in the afternoon and come back into work afterwards and no one seems to question that because um, it's something of that sort of West Coast lifestyle. Um, so that's the good points. Um, now the tough things. Now the tough things. So... Hmm... Vancouver, and I don't want to go down the rabbit hole of affordability, but I think I might. Um, Blank State Partners had a really tough first year from a cash flow perspective, um, and it was really hard. And it was hard paying rent <laughs> and living whilst trying to start a fledgling business. Um, at the time, I had a co-founder, and neither she nor I were sitting on a trust fund or a ridiculous amount of money, and we didn't have financing to run the business. And it got to the point where, because of a cash flow situation, we had to decide what we were going to do with Blank Slate. Um, and I remember sitting there saying, do you, do you want it? Do you, do you want the business? And, you know, I, can, I can go and find another job. And, and her saying, I don't, I don't want it. And I remember being like, okay, crap, do I want it? <laughs> yes, yes, I want it. But it's that conscious choice of like, okay, I want this, and I want to make this work, but oh my God, I have to pay rent in Vancouver. Um, so that was tough. Now, do you find uh, in the recruitment area, it's tough to bring people into Vancouver because of that? They're a little weary of the prices of living here? Yeah, it's sort of, um, hmm, that's a good question. It's, it's, it's kind of a catch-22 because the payoff and why people choose to move to Vancouver is because it's Vancouver. And we have such an incredible... Um, city with such an incredible, vibrant lifestyle, and you know you have those mountains in your back door, and you have those waters just on the shore. And from an outdoors perspective, and from a healthy living perspective, and a wellness perspective, Vancouver has an exceptional reputation um, as a city of choice to live in. Um, so, from a recruitment perspective, to be perfectly honest, if people are going to come to Vancouver, they're going to come to Vancouver anyway. Right. Okay. A lot of the times, it is it's, it, it, it's explaining that cost of living deficit. It's explaining that, you know, rents, mortgages, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, are expensive here. And 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 in my humble opinion, I don't think that the salaries locally stack up to the cost of living. Um, that's a whole another tangent. We won't <laughs> we won't go down. But if you choose it, that's your choice. Um, and a lot of people understand that Vancouver comes with a whole different payoff that isn't economical. Okay. Now, we talked a little, you've mentioned some things about lifestyle and 
living here. We do some of our best work outside the office. Is there a place in the lower mainland close to where you live or work where you like to go recharge or get inspired with ideas or just think about your business? And does it change with the season considering all the rain we get here? <laughs> well, uh, when I first uh, started chatting to one of our clients, um, a gentleman by the name of Rod Hudson with, with later, um, he explained to me that anyone that's got a problem with Vancouver and the rain should just go and stand in the forest and smell smell what it smells like when it's raining and, and take a deep breath and, and see if they still have a problem with it. Um, and I think he's got a really good point there. For me, um, to recharge, there, there are definitely a couple of places. Some are, are seasonal and, and some are year-long. Um, my partner and I recently bought a boat. Uh, we have a, a Beneteau First 32 from 1983 um, that he very lovingly restored last summer. So last summer was basically spent on the hard in Marina. Um, but for us, he's an entrepreneur as well, for us getting out on the boat and being on the water where our cell phones don't work is an incredible place to just reboot and uh, take a deep breath. For me personally, because um, I don't take the boat out on my own, I'm not good enough, uh, I like to go to Bowen Island. I love to get on that ferry. As soon as I get onto the ferry, I literally feel my whole self just relax and 20 minutes later you're pulling into Snug Cove and I can almost taste the pizza from Tuscany Restaurant talking about it. It's, uh, yeah, it's one of my favorite places in the world, actually. Um, and that's year-round. I love it when it's raining and cold and wet and the wind's blowing and the thunder's bouncing off the hills. And I love it when it's sunny and warm and delightful and you can sit there and watch the ferry come in and out and see if the ferry's on time. Um, and then in the winter, I love to go to Big White. I love to go to Big White. It's a wonderful family-friendly skiing resort. Um, that's an awful lot of fun. Okay. I want you to imagine, we have a lot of um, listeners from outside the country uh, of Canada, international listeners that are coming in from all sources. So I want you to, in this next question, I want you to speak to them. I want you to imagine you just landed here from London. If you were to start all over again and you just moved here to Vancouver, BC, but this time you don't know anyone, knowing what you know now, what would you do and how would you go about starting all over again as an entrepreneur? Mm, okay. Well, I think one of the hardest struggles that people have when they land in Vancouver is making friends. Um, for one reason or another, you either make, as a, as a, as a new immigrant, you either make um, traveler friends that are short-term friends that come in and out if you're of that age, or you make like-minded friends from the country that you're from. Um, and sometimes it can be hard to take that step from work colleagues to friends um, so I think making friends is one of the one of the hardest things to do as an adult um, let alone as a new immigrant in a new country um, that has a whole different way of social thinking um, than what you're used to so um, I would have done what I finally did but I would have done it sooner um, I joined a field hockey club a women's field hockey club and uh, I realized that there was 11 women that would have to speak to me, or at least a minimum of eight, because you have to have eight to play, um, every Saturday. <laughs> and then from that, someone would become my friend. Um, and actually, my best friends here um, have 100% come from that field hockey club. And then, you know, in terms of entrepreneurship, it's, it's getting out there and it's building that connections and building that network. Um, it's being honest and it's being vulnerable about who you are and what you want to do and why you want to do it. Um, 
But I think that it sort of goes back to the first point we talked about, about Vancouver being a, a relatively small city. Um, connections and network are, are key. Um, myself, I'm, I'm pretty introverted, and I struggle when you put me in a, a room full of people I don't know. I will head straight to the bar and have at least two glasses of wine and then talk to the other person that's probably an introvert hiding by the corner or the coat stand um, and ask them if they would like a drink and would they like to talk to me. Um, so that, for me, has definitely been one of the struggles and the, the hardest challenges is building that, that network um, when it's not one that you grew up with or that you brought with you. Um, you know, if you're from Toronto and you've moved to Vancouver, there's a gazillion of you that from Toronto and moved to Vancouver. <laughs> right, right. Okay, let's talk a bit about your routine. What does the first hour look like for you when you get up in the morning? Do you have a specific routine or a ritual that helps you make it you motivated to start your day? Yes. Uh, my routine 100% starts with my dog who does not allow us to lie in um, at all. So she is an early bird, and as she gets older, she gets earlier. Um, so somewhere around 6.30, she thinks it's go time. And uh, go time for Molly is, you know, she's got to go out, she's got to go for a run, she's got to go for a walk, whatever it is, and she's got to get fed. <laughs> it doesn't matter if Jack and I actually want to get out of bed or not. Um, so my, my morning routine is spent with her. Um, we go for uh, a walk in the morning and she gets her, her legs stretched and her quality time. And, and for me, it's that time to start the day mentally and put the day together in my head. Um, so it's, I guess it's something of a walking meditation but not really um, not a conscious one but it, it certainly happens and then uh, putting together the day the, I mean the first thing I do is look at my calendar and I say okay well what have I got to do today and what does that look like and where do I need to be and who am I meeting with and what do I need to prepare for um, what time do I have to myself that I can do x y and z in or you know what's on the calendar um, so my morning yeah my morning routine is one of one that's directed by a dog a very very vocal dog Okay. Now, do you think entrepreneurs have to be weird or unique in a positive way or are wired differently? I think that's a really interesting question because I believe that entrepreneurship is an attitude. And that doesn't mean that not everyone can develop that attitude, but I don't think everyone wants to. I don't think they have to be weird or unique but it is certainly a mindset. Um, it's behaviors that can be learned and that can be trained, but I think it's intrinsic to who you are um, as to why you choose that path. Um, you know, there's been a lot of studies done on risk tolerance of, of entrepreneurs and personalities of entrepreneurs. Um, I know that for me personally, I'm an awful employee. I really am. I think that I am way smarter than everyone else in the room, and I move far too fast for most, not most people to keep up with because that sounds arrogant, but even to slow down to explain because I'm just so driven. Um, and I think a lot of that comes from also how I was brought up. My mom was an entrepreneur, and her mother was an entrepreneur, which is very unique for their generations. Um, and, uh, you know, at the age of seven, I, explained, I told my mom that I wanted to have a, uh, a gallery and a tea shop. That was going to be my dream. And actually, my first business was a gallery um, at the age of 27. But at the age of seven, I announced I wanted to have a gallery and a tea shop. And uh, my mom, being my mom, took me to a tea shop in Brighton and said, OK, 
how big is this how big is the space uh, if the square foot is x you know and the rent is y how much you know how much do you have to make per square foot okay how many cups of tea do you have to sell in a day to make this okay how many people are behind the counter and in the kitchens how much do you have to pay them an hour and what does that look like i mean i'm sure for her she was just you know doing it as a math exercise for a seven-year-old but what she was also teaching me was to think about what it meant to run a business and, and that those weren't I and mean, that wasn't a one-off conversation that was the type of conversation we always had um so in some ways i think i was always going to be an entrepreneur um and i think there are those people out there that were always going to be an entrepreneur because of how their brains tick okay what books are you reading now and why or even audiobooks and can you recommend any books for our listeners who are also aspiring entrepreneurs Oh, good question. Um, so I am currently listening to um, Human and Machine, which is about reimagining the. It's uh, what's it called Human and Machine, uh, reimagining the uh, reimagining work in the age of AI, something along those lines. Um, it's fascinating for me. I'm really, really interested in how AI will change the working place, um, and what that also means for my industry human resources and how we can be early adapters to stay ahead of that curve and how we can integrate uh, AI into the workplace alongside humans and what that means for yeah, building small companies and et cetera, et cetera. There are so many examples of large companies that have already integrated AI into their everyday routine. They don't even know it's there. Well, many of their employees don't even know it's there, but in the small to medium-sized business, it's not necessarily being done. Um, so that's... That's what I'm currently reading and listening to. Um, I actually have both on the go at the moment. I listen to the audiobook as I drive home, and then I go home and reread the chapters. Um, for books for your audience to listen to, there were a few that have been really, really integral in my journey of, of entrepreneurship. Um, the first, obviously, being Eric Ries's, uh Lean Startup Methodology. Um, that one is is one I've probably read four or five times. Um, the second is a book by Mark Robergé, who was the, I think he was the number three or number four employee for HubSpot. And it's called The Sales Acceleration Formula. And it's a, it's a really fascinating read. I reference it quite a lot. Um, and then I'm a huge Simon Sinek fan. Um, and he has a book called Leaders Eat Last, which is uh, a very, very good book to read as well. No, I can keep going. But okay. <laughs> what online or offline tools do you use on a regular basis? Um, for, sorry, just to clarify, for, for work or for personal? Uh, for work. Okay. Well, given the space that we are in, um, LinkedIn is a huge tool for us. Um, we are obviously constantly in LinkedIn on a very day-by-day, hour-by-hour basis. Um, we use Asana uh, to project manage our tools internally. Um, from an applicant tracking system, we have um, one that we use, which is called Workable, that I highly recommend. Um, and then there's an HRIS system that we also use. Um, and all of these are, uh, are web-based. Um, HRIS system called Bamboo HR that we very much recommend to our clients. Um, they are sort of the, the practical ins and outs of our business right now. If you weren't doing what you do now, what would you like to do for a profession? 
Oh, uh, this one's easy for me. If I wasn't doing what I'm doing now and I could travel back in time to when I was picking what degree to do and et cetera, et cetera, in my future, I would be an architect. I would love to be an architect. That would be great because I think in Vancouver there's so much development. I mean, architects must just be busy. I know a friend of mine who works for an architectural <laughs> company, and they're, they're busy for the next, they think they got contracts for the next 20 years or something like that. So. Wow. Yeah, I just, I love the concept of, of looking from, from a historical standpoint through architecture, but also looking at, you know, where architecture is going in the future. I just find it fascinating. I could walk around any city for hours. What kind of a job would you not like to do, couldn't do it? Mm. I, I don't know if I could be a lawyer. I, I don't know if I could, or maybe a lawyer that sits behind their desk and pushes paper around all day because I, I just do not, I do not think I could do that. Okay. In business, what is your favorite word, quote, or sentence that you like to use? Oh, I am a parrot for scalable and repeatable. It's got to be scalable and it's got to be repeatable. Um, and every single thing that we try to build for our clients, we want to build it in a scalable and repeatable fashion so that as they grow, they're not reinventing the wheel. What's your least favorite word or sentence you do not like to hear? Culture fit. I hate hearing the term culture fit. It just makes my heckles. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. If you had to pick one or two words to describe yourself, what would it be and why? I think, I think the first word I would probably pick to describe myself is kind. Um, I've recently been talking through some of this work with um, a colleague of mine, and you know we, we often talk about values of a company, but for me, I want I, we want to really wanted to get into sort of individual values, and I really wanted to get deep into what my values were and what I valued, and what I realised is for me, kindness is is where I want to base every decision. I believe that if we can come from a kind place and if we can be kind in who we are, we can build a really great place to live, work, breathe, and be. Okay. What keeps you up at night, if anything? On a practical level, my dog, as I mentioned, she gets up. She's getting old. Um, so she definitely has me up and down throughout the night. Um, on an emotional level, I I genuinely feel a sense of obligation towards my team and I want to build a business that can support them and keep them in the world that they want to live in. And it it, it stresses me and worries me that, you know, there's a lot of responsibility when you have a team. Um, So that definitely keeps me up and I'm constantly trying to think about how we can do things and how we can do things better and what else we can do and what does that look like. And yeah, that keeps, that keeps me awake at night. Okay, I want you to give us the top three things on your inspired life list. This can be a bucket list of any sort, whether you want to travel more, whether you want to write books, TEDx talk, philanthropy, anything like that. Yeah, well, babies, that's probably one you don't get very often, but um, we're currently working on that, uh, at least two, hopefully, um, in the near future. And then um, with babies, travel. <laughs> so Jack and I would like to sail around the world. Um, Sailing's how we met, and it's a big passion of ours. And one day we would like to be able to put both of our businesses either on hold or maybe we get lucky and we can sell them or something and uh, take our kids off and take two years to sail around the world. 
Do you have any advice that you may have received that you can pass on to entrepreneurs throughout BC? I think I've had endless, endless advice, and so much of it is so useful. But the one that springs to mind um, actually came from my partner, Jack, and it came from my partner this week. And he said to me, you know what, Izzy? Just be a good person, be honest, and do the best that you can do. Because if you're a good person, you're being honest and you're doing the best that you can do. That's all that people can ever hope for. Okay. Okay, Izzy, are you ready to have some fun? Yes. Okay, great. Okay, as you know, entrepreneurs are very, very busy people. We're always connected. We're always online. Like you said, LinkedIn, you're always probably checking that out as well. But we're going to take you away from all that. There's a small tropical island just off of Fiji that only has one phone booth there. There is no internet. This place does exist, by the way. We're going to drop you off there. You won't have a computer or a smartphone or a tablet. You can use the phone booth located there anytime to call the boat. We'll come pick you up. How long would you last before you made that call? And what would you do while you were there? Oh. So is there, is there things that I can build on the island? Do I have any tools? Yeah, you can have, it's, there's a phone booth there, so it's got to go somewhere, okay. right? So, okay. Uh, can I, can I Robin, Robinson Crusoe it? You can do that, If yeah. I could Robinson Crusoe it, I could stay there forever. I would, I mean, I, like I said, I'm an introvert. I genuinely love being in quiet places on my own. <laughs> I, I, as long as I could have tasks that I could do so I could build a place to live and then, I don't know, build some outbuildings and create a farm, build some pot, like, oh, I would have a blast. Um, if I couldn't do all of that, I would probably last, I don't know, how long until I starve? <laughs> if I don't catch anything, I guess three days. <laughs> Three days without water. <laughs> well, you can we, we can take food in there with you if you want. Okay. There's just no there's just no internet. It's just oh, yeah, that it wouldn't bother me at all. Okay. I could honestly last forever. <laughs> okay, so the boat's gonna be sitting out there for a while. Yeah, I mean, I genuinely dream of the days of the zombie apocalypse purely because I think that a I'd really do well at surviving. B I think it'd be awesome to just reset it where we don't have anything. Okay, great. Okay, we're gonna wrap things up. How can our listeners get hold of you? And is there anything you you would like to add? before you leave us today? Um, so they can find me, obviously, via LinkedIn, but also our website, which is www.blankslate.partners. Um, feel free to ping me via our Facebook page or our Instagram account um, or Twitter. I'm pretty, I'm pretty connectable. Um, in terms of anything last to add, you know, honestly, we just want to help people build better, stronger workplaces. So I feel like I'm doing good work in the world if we're helping people. So if anybody ever has any questions, doesn't matter how big or small, they can just reach out. And if they say that they heard of us from this podcast, I'd be more than happy to, to give them you know, as much time as they need as a free consult. Fabulous. Okay. Well, I hope my listeners take you up on that, and I'm sure they will learn a lot. <laughs> Great. Fingers crossed. Okay. Well, thanks for coming on the show. I've learned a lot about you, and I'm sure our listeners have as well. Thank you. Great. Okay. We'll see you next time. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey there, thanks for taking the time today to listen to Vancouver's podcast on the Canada's Podcast Network. We hope you enjoyed the show today. Make sure you sign up for our newsletters and write a review for us on iTunes and then connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Canada's Podcast. You can also check out what other entrepreneurs are doing across the country. See you next time.